Hey everybody, it's Stuart here with Betsy. Betsy Vaughan, how's it going? Very good. Great to be here. Good to be here too. I had the first, um, having been back in the US for about three weeks now, I had the first uh, encounter where someone was really picking up on the accent. So I'd kind of forgotten about oh. it already, but uh, just yesterday someone was really diving into the Britishness. I must have said something. I think I said oh. cheers instead of thank you. <laughs> cheers. So slowly traumatizing. Wonky. I said yeah. wonky the, number the other day, and they're like, what? <laughs> Which is one of those things I picked up from you, wonky. And slowly, <laughs> um, slowly trying to increase that sphere of influence to uh, bring back British words. So, well, really, I mean, you know, it's, you, it's everything you say, it doesn't matter what you say, sounds so sophisticated. And, uh, <laughs> See, that's, why I, had to, that's why I had to move countries, because it really doesn't work like that back in the UK. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and we're so, so like, yeah, yep, yeah, you know, so maybe that'll, maybe some of that will rub off on. It might, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll balance out. <laughs> right. So, today we are going to talk about... Kindles versus printed books. I was going to say traditional mm-hmm. books, but I guess there's more and more of a tradition of Kindles being traditional or a generation right. of people coming behind us. Yeah. Where they're perhaps more used to that than uh, than a traditional print book. So I think there's a couple Isn't of... That, yeah, that's true. How do you feel about the Kindle versus the traditional print book? Are you just a Kindle in terms guy? Of, or? I have a Kindle. I've got a Kindle app on the iPad. Um, the Kindle that I've got is actually super old. I mean, it must be 10 years old by now. It's one of the old ones with a keyboard, but I just don't right. use it enough to justify updating it. So maybe 60%, or maybe even more than 80% of the books I've read recently have been not physical. Um, uh-huh. Probably a bit more than that, thinking about it. But the one thing, and this is kind of jump into the chase on the on the bones of the call, I guess. But the one thing that is different it's that is different is if you buy a book and it's physically sat on your shelf, there's a physical reminder that at some point you wanted to read it. Whereas the digital mm-hmm. versions of things disappear into the digital void and there's nothing to ever remind you that that book's there. So as a consumer, as a reader, I notice that quite a lot. But as a an author as someone who wants our books to be read super conscious of that and um that kind of effectiveness issue around print versus versus digital so we're going to dive that's going to be one of the main points that we get to shortly how to make the most of that platform given the constraints right. around kind of visibility what about but i you? think it is like one of you said it is I, that generation coming up behind us is um I think they're all about that, about the Kindle, the electronic version of a book versus the print book, you know, the, the, the print book. I personally am not, I'm, I want the book. I want to turn the pages. I want to smell the pages. I want to, you know, right. that's, I'm, I'm old school that way, you know, so I still so order books. Lucy's I, the, I still go to, yeah. Like yeah, that? Lucy's the like same. That? Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much so. The convenience trumps it for me. It's definitely, I really don't want to be flying yeah. with half a bag full of paper. Um, and i fly with three or four books at a time you know (laughs) (laughs) in my back you know that's probably an educator thing lucy and i both with our education background maybe that's uh we just maybe there's something there we like that that physical book and like to see children with books in their hands and yeah yeah my son who's only 22 he loves a book he's not into the electronic version at all so um 
he orders a lot of books, physical books still, and likes to see them on his shelf and, and rereads things over and over again. So he has an the appreciation kind of collector. Is it more of the yeah. collector element of it, of physically owning it? Well, he it's... does because he's he's into. I mean, he listen. He's 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 a very old soul. He um, is into classical literature and things like that. So he, you know, he he wants old books and first edition books, and those are kind of things that people give him as gifts now. You know, so he right. loves he loves to have. He will have at some point probably a huge library in his home. You know, that's <laughs> surrounded by the books and. Um, that you can just pick. I mean, anytime he has the opportunity to be surrounded by books, that's where he prefers to go. So, and I, and I, I'm that way too. So I know, you know, even my 70 something year old mother has her Kindle and that's how she prefers to, she, you know, she doesn't want books anymore. She doesn't want, she calls it clutter. So um, she doesn't want the clutter. <laughs> and that's the, I must admit some of the books that I have bought recently for one reason or another, or been given actually a lot of the ones more recently, have just been, um, given by one person or another and having recently gone through the rigmarole of shipping stuff to the u.s uh, deciding which books to give away and then the challenge of giving them away or which books to bring because at some point there's some value in reading them again um mm-hmm. a lot of them a lot of them probably not um not fiction it's more reference material but actually, just the cost of shipping them across now that oh. looking back on it, particularly having been yeah. kind of like three or four weeks detached from the physical things, the connection with them has kind of drifted somewhat as opposed to that being there in the room as I was packing and saying, well, I can't really part with that. So actually, it's probably some <laughs> stupid right. expense for shipping books that I'm realistically, even I know <laughs> that I'm probably never going to read again. And even if I did want them, right. that information I was looking for, I can probably Google in two minutes. Um but right. that's download it you have you can have the whole book in just like 35 seconds yeah yeah exactly exactly um but the other interesting challenge was giving them trying to give them away because this is um there was a lot of textbooks and from like past careers and jobs a lot of um a lot of business related books and there was just mm-hmm. zero market for anyone wanting those kind of traditionally it would be like charity shops or um libraries or dentist waiting rooms all of those types of places no one wanted them at all um in fact the charity Mm -hmm. shops were saying to be honest unless it's kind of trashy fiction that someone's just going to read on the beach and then (laughs) leave at the at the airbnb place there's just no market for it because no one wants it so um that's funny (laughs) yeah yeah it was really interesting so i mean there was probably hundreds if not probably not quite thousands but hundreds of dollars worth of books uh, that yeah. just got recycled in the end because there was no recycled slashed dumped on my parents when I was kind of flying out the door because I was running late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they'll probably right. still be in the garage at my parents when I go back next time. Right. Um, yeah. So, so that being said, let's kind of circle that back into what we're talking about here make it a little bit more relevant. Mm-hmm. So a couple of key points that have come up from just that discussion one is the we've said it before to be honest but just the reading rates generally are um are going down over time not going up over time so fewer people are reading things whether it's digital or in print because the mm-hmm. average attention span is is falling across the board and then that staying front of mind element of a book does take up physical space and it there are visual cues. It's sat on a shelf somewhere. That means that it can be referred to later. The digital equivalent of that is 
infinitesimally smaller the likelihood that it's ever going to get read again because it's just never going to get passed over again i don't have that many books on my kindle maybe 30 if that over the last however many years but even those i think the default library view is chronological with newest first so there's no circumstance that i can think of that i really scroll past the first page of a book in that library even when it's on um on an ipad version so you've got kind of like a visual representation of the shelf Mm -hmm. the likelihood of scrolling further down the list is is super small and then to actually stop take the time to read it get to a call to action so that there's a follow-on step which again for we're not talking about fiction books we're talking about um books to engage a conversation and get a call to action so there's there's definitely that element of staying front of mind and keeping that conversation going. So as with everything that we talk about, it really comes down to what's the job of work? What's the intent? What's the funnel? How do you anticipate these things being made, uh, being used rather? It's not just mm-hmm. a kind of build it and they will come type thing. This isn't fiction where you're talking about or even books for entertainment to a certain degree, although hopefully they are entertaining in, in so much as they're providing value. But it's not really an entertainment thing where, oh, I'm going to write this book, I'm going to build it and they will come. It's going to be so engaging that it will go viral and get attention from there. The likelihood of all of that, or the, the serendipity that you're expecting for all of that to turn around, is just very unlikely. So we've got to think of better ways of, of making sure that that conversation moves forward as soon as possible. Um right the the build it and they will come type thing we've been talking to a couple of people recently who have kind of not kind of fallen in that camp of i knew this was a good thing to do i should just do it and when i do it then magic things will happen because it will be done Mm -hmm. that kind of logical fallacy we've talked before about really starting with the end in mind and working backwards so in that case, where you do think about the use case, where you do think about how the funnel all sticks together, then a digital version of the book, whether it's Kindle or PDF, might make sense. So there might well be value in structuring it or delivering it digitally because it fits into the, the overall funnel that you're trying to do a little bit more. There might be a lot of background noise here today because for some reason there must be some construction work going on down the road from the house because this road outside is usually relatively (laughs) quiet but there's like trucks hammering up and down here every other, well, every few minutes at the moment. So apologies for any um, big background noise. Um, Okay, completely distracted. What are we talking about? Oh, the use case. So the difference in the... The physical and the, well, let's talk about the differences in the physical ones and the digital ones. And in the digital ones, there's two cases to talk about. There's kind of the PDF version and the Kindle version, because both digital, but they've both got slightly different benefits and constraints. So the main difference is that ability for it to sit on the shelf and have a slightly longer life than a digital version. There's also the thumb ability of it, for want of a more realistic actual word but that kind of flick throughness so we've said on previous shows that everyone reads the front page the title the cover is the thing that captures people's attentions everyone reads the back cover because people flick over and look at it and that's a great place for the call to action because it kind of bypasses that 
um, it's the second most important real estate. It bypasses that need for people to read the entire content in order to get to the call to action. And it kind of anchors the call to action for the people who do sit down and read it because they know the destination. They know where they're leading towards. So there's the thumbability of it. And even the thumbability of the content itself of the chapters, the content structure, the chapter titles being kind of, if you only looked at the table of contents, telling that story of how to get to the problem on the cover to the answer on the back cover, those chapters being the very obvious kind of waypoints on the journey, as you're thumbing through and you're clearly seeing those chapter titles pop out as you just flick from page to page, again, that's almost enough to create that narrative. It's almost like people... Um, like a cartoon of someone speed reading and just kind of flicking through the book. Um, I'm not sure how that noise will come out in the transcript, but that kind of (laughs) flicking with your thumb page to page, like a flick book. But seeing the chapter titles pass by, it's almost like you're giving yourself a um, a get-out-of-jail-free card to allow yourself to take the next step without actually having read it because you've done... Uh, do you know what I'm trying to say? You've kind of done some steps in terms of reading something. I've physically had the book in my hand right. and I've done something. Therefore, the next logical step is to do the next stage rather than actually reading each word on the page. So those are all of the benefits of, or those are a good number of the benefits of, of, of physical, <laughs> that kind of longevity almost. The downside of physical is the cost overhead and the delivery overhead. You've actually physically got to get it in someone's hands, which requires you either need to be in the same place at the same time as them or the book needs to be at the same place at the same time or you need to get their address and in theory particularly for starting newer relationships all of these additional steps are barriers to entry they're kind of confounding factors or elements to slow down that that speed that you want in taking things from that velocity of the thought someone's had the thought that they've got the problem they've had the thought that they want to fix it and how can you with the most velocity the most momentum get from a to b and a physical book in a lot of ways does slow all of that down so the upside on the digital front then is exactly that speed you can deliver something to someone immediately with the minimum number of steps i mean in theory if you could run a AdWords ad or Facebook ad to a download page that just offered the download there straight away with no opt-in whatsoever. If you were confident about the the journey that you were taking them on in the book, if you were confident about the minimum viable commitment, call to action, the clear next step that obviously adds value, then you can give the first step away for for zero cost. Typically, Mm -hmm. that's not what we recommend. We typically recommend that it is behind at least an email opt-in just to start that conversation and allow it to continue over email. But there are definitely use cases where you might want to speed it through. And from a velocity point of view, that is absolutely the fastest. When you're at an event, we were talking to Focus uh, maybe the beginning of last month and talking about the people Mm -hmm. at her event. She separately had a way of collecting their names and email addresses because it was provided by the event vendor. So just putting one of the slides up on screen as you're talking through having this perfect relationship with people, what you really want to do is look at the second chapter in the book because we dive deep into this particular point. So up on the screen behind me, here's the URL. Just go and download it straight away. Grab that copy. And then you can see the checklist that we're talking about to do whatever. Again, think about what the use case is and then have the delivery to match, not not vice versa. Um, so the, the upside is speed, really. The downside is mm-hmm. 
you don't have that thumb ability and the kind of the half-life of the book the 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 attention duration that you've got is a lot shorter than it is in the physical world everything moves a lot faster and equally the person moves on to the next thought a lot faster so in that scenario you want to really make sure that you've got the opportunity to keep that velocity going and move on to the next step as quick as possible so you might need to be more aggressive with the call to action suggestions you might need to be more aggressive with the go here for the next step or if you want more information about this here's another link to follow here's another piece of information to follow which in the physical that's, world sorry go for it. yeah i think that's a great that's a that's i just had that conversation with somebody this week about um they were concerned you know um that by having a Kindle version or putting it on Amazon, that whole process that they were going to miss out. And, and my recommendation was, you know, we weren't going to head that direction yet um, with this person, but because, but I said, we'll just have to focus on that stronger call to action, you know, really have to, it's going to have to be really compelling and, and it's going to have to be really in your face, you know, in order to, you know, because someone's buying, excuse me, on Amazon, a Kindle version, you know, you're not capturing that. You have no idea who they are. Joe Schmo from, Michigan, you know, you're, you're really missing um, the opportunity to, to engage that person. So we were just sort of, try, you know, from, from our recommendation, yeah, we'll do it. But I always try to push it off in the beginning, you know, to. I think definitely. Exactly. And I think just as you said, it definitely shouldn't be the primary focus. So Mm-mm. those constraints or benefits we were talking about a moment ago primarily apply to the pdf version of it the digital version Uh of it because then you do have slightly more control about what elements are included excluded the kindle version of it is more restricted than that but it does have one big potential upside if you can find a way to capitalize on it so the restrictions are exactly around that you've got zero visibility or zero access to who the customer is because amazon doesn't pass that information at all there's no way of making a connection with an individual with that product at the point of sale. So you very much need to have additional stuff in it to bring people back. And I mean, again, going back to thinking of the job of work and the funnel that you're actually putting in place, that's the most important part. If you're looking at a the Kindle funnel, whether it's a solely a Kindle play or whether Kindle just enters the mix as one of many channels then you can't use exactly the same funnel for the PDF version that you can for the Kindle version because the PDF version, let's assume for the sake of argument that it's behind a, uh, gives you an email address and we'll send you a copy of the book type download. So you'd have their email. The Kindle version, you don't have any of that. So making sure that that funnel is set up in a way that has more opportunities to capture people's attention to push them off to other resources more so than you would do if you have already got their email address in the pdf version so it's trying to think of a realistic example so it might be that um let's think about a financial advisor just because i can think of a lot of a lot of kind of sub assets within there so financial mm-hmm. advisor you might have a checklist around um financial planning or financial stability or life changes or goal planning or product tables best buys latest rates all of these individual things that are assets that with your knowledge or expertise you can bring together in the pdf sense where you've collected their name and email address details 
you can forward that information to people as part of a follow-up funnel. So we talked a couple of shows ago about Beyond the Book and how to kind of engage in that follow-up sequence to enhance the relationship and move people towards that direction, including, uh, sorry, move people towards that next step, including all of these things in a relevant kind of funnel of continuing education you can push all of that to people because you've got their email address up front. The Kindle version of exactly the same book, rather than just referring to the latest rate table or the goal setting worksheet, rather than just referring to it because you know you're going to push that information to them at a later date, in the book, in the Kindle version, you need to be put in the, a way for people to pull that information for people to get that themselves. So a link to the rate table, a link to the goal setting sheet, um, a link in a way that's easy for them to click as well, because depending on what Kindle device it is and how the product's set up, you might not be able to direct link from it. So URLs that are easy to type out, that might be another big concern because in a PDF, typically um, links will hyperlink themselves. So you can link straight off and if it's an ugly url or a long url doesn't make any difference kindle version that might not be the case we quite often see and we try and catch it but um i saw one the other day that had sneaked through i need to remind the editor guys to uh to be a bit hotter on it but we'll sometimes see long urls with https semicolon forward slash forward slash and then this huge long email that someone's just copy and pasted and dumped in because it is the actual link but if there's any concept that anyone's going to type that, I mean, even I couldn't even yeah. be bothered to finish that sentence yeah. of, of talking it, let alone actually typing it out. So if you are on your website, you've got all of these assets, but they're actually hidden on long URL. So it's yourdomain.com forward slash subsection one forward slash form three seven six nine eight dot HTML. Mm-hmm. If the, if you're expecting yeah. people to go there and that's the link that you've got in the book, whether it's a print version or a Kindle version that isn't linked or a PDF that isn't linked, thinking about the use case, thinking about how the reader is actually going to interact with that, obviously you just need to buy a short URL and then redirect it so it's easy for someone to type. Um, that's great advice. <laughs> that's, yeah, and I do need to jump on the uh, editors and remind them a little bit because I saw one sneak through the other day. Um, so that kind of setup of that kind of technical setup makes a difference and the use case. But really jumping back to Kindle, the big thing is that you don't have the opportunity to capture any details. So that's the downside. The upside is the Amazon marketplace as a, a credibility play, which I'll come back to in a second, uh, but B, the access to the audience. So if you have a book with an engaging, relevant title that does what it says on the tin. It's not obscure. You're not trying to be clever. Um, the subtitle amplifies the title. So this is all stuff that we talk about in a book blueprint scorecard. So as you're listening to this, if you haven't completed your book blueprint scorecard yet to position yourself on the eight mindsets of writing the best lead generation book, then head over to bookblueprintscore.com and you can um, we've got that set up to elaborate on each of these eight points. But that element of a relevant title that uses language in the way that people are looking for, um, that people are articulating the problem themselves. So it's, it's a problem statement that they'll recognize in the title. It's not, uh, it's not random or clever. The subtitle amplifies it and builds on it, uh, again, rather than being random. 
the description of your book that you've got in there in the in the store entry in the Kindle store entry builds on it a little bit more it uses relevant terms to describe the situation that you're talking about all of this means that the searchability or the discovery of your book is likely to be more because as people are searching for certain things hopefully your book will come up as part of the result the only element to add in there just from a realistic search perspective if you it's like our organic search in google 20 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, although maybe not now because time is marching on and 10 years ago isn't actually that long ago. Um, but, but 15 years ago, 20 years ago, having a, um, having a website that talked about a relatively specific problem in detailed ways that had lots of words that described the problem just by virtue of the fact that there were fewer websites around meant that you had stood more of a chance of, coming up in a search results nowadays because there are so many sites and there's just it's just such a comp- um, competitive marketplace the likelihood of getting organic results with no other elements contributing to that is pretty slim um the same mm-hmm. with the book in the kindle in the kindle store particularly because of the low barrier to entry but even in the physical store just expecting to get such traffic from there whilst it does happen it's a far more competitive environment now than it was a number of years ago. Now that varies depending on your niche. If you're a financial advisor or a life coach, you, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of competition there. If you're yeah. a, uh, what's an example? A, um, I'm trying to think of a smaller language. I was going to say French or Italian. Maybe Italian, your books are written in Italian, talking about a specific problem to a region in Italy. The likelihood of someone else having written that is a lot slimmer, so therefore you've got a lot more chance. So again, just a traditional competitive advantage or disadvantage, that kind of SWOT analysis type um, type approach to looking at it. Um. I just took a breath and realised that I've been talking a lot and I'm not sure <laughs> whether that was coherently following one It's all good or... stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, there's it's a, Because it's come up a couple of times. This happens quite a lot in the shows, actually. We don't necessarily have a big forward schedule of things that we want to talk about. There's a couple of things that we do, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, we talk about what's happened in the previous weeks and where quite a few things have... Quite a few people have asked similar questions, then all of this kind of pent-up knowledge, you just mm-hmm. want to dump it out on the call and it's... Um, turns into a call like this so what did we get to we were talking about the benefits of each and the the challenges with the kindle platform and the benefits of the kindle platform i think we've touched on the main points and the main point being again going back to the thing that we always end up saying think about the funnel first think about the job of work and then come back to how best to achieve that and the fact that the same funnel is unlikely to work as effectively at least across multiple different ways multiple different channels it's having the same funnel for everything so people who walk into your storefront and pick up a copy of the book working with complementary non-competing businesses um complementary non-completing partners and other businesses where they can support it working with charities or community groups the digital funnel that you've got the social funnel that you've got the amazon funnel that you've got having exactly the same follow-up sequence as much as possible is better than nothing 
but tailoring each of those to be as relevant to the platform as possible, as relevant to the way that people are interacting with it as possible, is going to provide more bang for the buck. Having said that, though, I definitely would start with the same funnel right across the board in as much as you can, because then at least it's done, rather than... The alternative that we see a few times with people going into that kind of analysis paralysis stage and not really wanting to pull the plug or, sorry, um, pull the trigger on anything until everything's perfect. And that's a fallacy as well, because you kind of fall into this trap of it never quite being there, never quite being there. And then two years goes by and you've still lost all of those leads. We were talking earlier in the week. Uh, I can't remember who we were talking about, but saying that someone had come back after two or three or maybe even four years now and they were just kind of picking up the book and, and we're now going to do something with it whereas the mm-hmm. original version although it wasn't they did make some changes so there was obviously some improvements that could be made but just imagine how many leads have kind of fallen through the net uh-huh. and disappeared and moved on to other things and worked with other people in that intervening mm-hmm. period i mean it's great that right. you, people are coming and back I, yeah, now yeah and, exactly we say that all the time, even with people who are having the conversation of, you know, holding a book because they're doing edits to it and they want it to be quote unquote perfect, you know, all the leads that they're missing or even getting started on a book. I have conversations with people and then we have more conversations and we have several conversations throughout <laughs> the year and we kind of joke about it. And some people are not as quick to, to move as others, but you know, when you've had a conversation, you know, six or seven conversations with someone and a year later, they finally come on board. I think I, that's the first thing that I think about, like, wow, if you had done this book last year, you'd have, you yeah. could potentially have a whole bunch of, of new business, you know, um, particularly if there's not a strong reason of not doing it. I mean, if there's, if it's an active decision not to do it, then fair enough. I mean, that's perfectly fine. If it's just because, um, I mean, even to a certain degree, the people who kind of pass through the radar, um, and as you're listening to this, you can have guys in exactly the same situation, people who pass through the radar, but it's only kind of a touch point once and it doesn't really get into their psyche. Mm -hmm. They're not quite ready yet. And then it just falls out of people's heads and they move on, which is why we go on so much about having that follow on sequence, because it does stay front and center longer. But Mm -hmm. I've got a certain amount of sympathy for where it just kind of, the thought comes in and then it goes out again because I forget about stuff all the time. But for those people who have that ongoing conversation and they make the, they take that first step repeatedly or even worse or even more so the guys who have actually done the book, the first version's done. It's, it's kind of 80% of the way there, but then it's just kind of failure mm-hmm. to pull the trigger either through not getting around to it or the, this kind of analysis paralysis of wanting it to be perfect. That's almost the worst situation because all of that effort is just wasted. It's not like that first group of people, the people where it pops in and pops out, there's kind of virtually zero effort there. So that's just life. That's just what happens. But yeah. The people who put yeah. any effort in, like the repeated, yeah, I want to get started people, but then actually don't get started, or the people who've done it, but just <laughs> not quite finished it. That's uh, That just seems like such a huge missed opportunity for people because so much of the work has been done already or so much of the thought process has been kind of started. A a thought popped in my mind before that's just come back to me, so I'll mention it now before it moves on. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a book that I think I've mentioned before called The Wombat Method um, by Dr. Michael Gleason. 
I'm pretty sure that I've mentioned this on the show before, and I'm pretty sure that I've said I'll put a link to anything that I can find. And then, can you say that again? What was it? One, um, the wombat, uh, the wombat method, or wombat selling? Sorry, called wombat selling, um, like the Australian am- animal, a wombat. Yeah, wombat. Yes. Yeah, wombat selling. I can't for the life of me remember why it's called Wombat Selling, but the one of the big thoughts in there is around this thing called check moves. I'm sure that I've talked about this on the show before. Um, and a check move is he works a lot with sales teams and saying that you can't close a sale. The only person that can s- close the sale is the customer because the ultimate decision is theirs. You can put a lot of pressure on people for them to close, but they're the only ones that can close because the cash is in their hand. And to a certain degree, you don't necessarily want to be that organization that's really putting a strong arm on people to close because that's not necessarily the best type of organization either. You want to present people with as many opportunities and as much evidence so that they can close themselves as possible, as, as, um, provide the evidence so that they can close themselves rather than doing the hard sell on them. And this check moves theory is, kind of that you can only put people in check using the chess analogy you can only put people in check you can't cause checkmate so instead of concentrating on trying to close the sale close the sale instead concentrate on how many times can you get these people into check and check is the opportunity for a sale to happen so that's the same with the things that we've been talking about both in terms of the physical book called the pdf where you've got their details already and you follow up by email causing those check moves or in the kindle version in the copy itself you'd need to include include more of those check moves in the copy because that's the only exposure you've got to people so one of the classic examples that we talk about a lot is this kind of concept of a three-stage approach on the call to action on the back of the book so the next steps for people as much as possible give them a zero commitment option a minimal commitment option and a and the opportunity of actually pull the plug, pull the, I keep saying pull the plug, pull the trigger and start working with you. So the zero commitment option is that's just head over to the website or head over to wherever. And there's a lot more information on this that we provide for free just because we want to educate people. The second step, knowing that they've got the book already is the follow on action. It's if they were sat in the office in front of you and you were talking to them, what would you want them to do next? So sticking with the financial example from uh, from earlier on, that might be something around the due diligence questions as someone comes in the office. Um, I'm not sure if it's a legal requirement here in the UK. It's a legal requirement. You need to go through some due diligence steps to find out the person's financial um where they are on the kind of financial spectrum, whether they're a sophisticated investor or whether they're a uh, consumer and what their risk tolerance is and all of that type of thing. So some of those questions are going to be things that you can find to people as a checklist. I've, I've talked a lot, obviously, with the the my situation of moving across. We've talked a lot about Jim Hacking and the Bring Your Spouse Here book that Jim wrote and the call to action, that second step, that minimum commitment call to action is to download a copy of the visa checklist so that you can go through step by step and see where you are. So all of those things. And then the third step is the best way to get started is to work with us and to work with us um, 
jump on board and, and follow whatever these steps are. But that second step, that well, in fact, the first and second step, that go here and find out more for free. And uh, the best next step you can take is is get a copy of the assessment or the school card or whatever it is. But those things in the Kindle sense need to be in the copy of the book. And in theory, you need to start introducing them relatively early because we know the the amount read tails off with the number of pages. So everyone reads the cover. Most people read the first page. A far lower people number of people read the back page. So that introducing that call to action, a little bit different in the Kindle model. Start introducing those options, those check moves, those way of allowing people to engage outside of the confines of the book all need to start being introduced a little bit earlier because there's there's them reading the book is the only option you've got to communicate with them because you don't get their email address. You don't get the way of following up with them as you would do in outside of the Kindle environment. Yeah. There we go. Very good. <laughs> yeah. I think I've got to the stage where my voice is about, uh, is about giving up. Um, that whole Kindle model, um, the, we didn't even touch on the kind of bestseller things, which, and the credibility thing, mm-hmm. which we don't really get into at all. It's, um, it's not a scam, but what's a nice way of saying that it's maybe manipulating uh, the system? Um, I think that's a fair way to say it, you know. Yeah, it, manipulating. It's it a manipulation of the system. Yeah. yeah. And, the problem with saying that something is a bestseller or saying that you're a number one bestselling author is that that badge has with it a certain amount of expectation. And whether that expectation or not is based on reality. So the fact that you can get a book to a bestseller in a subcategory of a Kindle bookstore, the fact that technically you can do it, is still, if you ask the average person on the street what their expectation of a number one bestseller was, it will be very different from what you are actually delivering. Unless, of course, that is what you're delivering. So if you're focus is on the on the book you want to make it into a bestseller you want to put all of that time and effort into making it a substantial volume that stands on its own as a definitive source of information that people would happily and willingly pay 10 15 20 dollars for then this little bit that i'm talking about now doesn't apply because that's typically not what we're talking about we're talking about a book that engages people and the majority of people who are out there talking about becoming a bestseller in order to get more business, they're not also talking about investing tens of thousands of dollars and months and months worth of time. However, as always, depends on what the use case is, depending on what the funnel is, depending on what the end product is. If that is what you're doing, then ignore this next few minutes and um, because you are taking no steps. But for people when they hear bestseller there's an expectation around it it's the same we've talked about in the shows before about charging for the books on amazon there's a minimum price that you have to charge but some people want to charge 10 15 20 dollars for the physical book and the problem is when you look at the competitive landscape of what other books are being sold for that you'll typically see best-selling authors with books of 150 250 300 pages selling for that same price and unless you're going in at that level which isn't what we're talking about if that is what you're doing this podcast isn't probably going to give you the all of the answers it will point you in the right direction but you then also got a lot of work to do on top of that our process isn't going to get you to that that's not what we do um mm-hmm. 
So the downside of the credibility play in the Kindle or even the Amazon store is there's the risk of this expectation gap. And it's definitely not all the time because there were plenty of very concise books that absolutely mm-hmm. deliver value. And certainly that's what we do talk about. We do talk about delivering value in the content, answer the one question as deeply and as comprehensively as possible, give people the opportunity then to learn more and to take their understanding to the next step. Um, but it's just where it's coming from. It's like the positioning behind it. If people are trying to, um, if they just want to get to a bestseller label and then aren't really bothered about the content, then there's a disconnect. If they want to get to a best-selling label and there is concern for the content, there is a kind of willingness to put behind the content, then that's fine because the it's kind of congruent. Ask the average person on the street, is this a bestseller? Then they might say yes if it meets those criteria. Um, so the social proof side of things, I would think about that as a benefit of a secondary or tertiary benefit of doing this rather than the primary reason for doing it the primary reason for doing it should be engaging and starting the conversation and then moving forward and if you do the work necessary to make it a bestseller or if it happens to become a bestseller that's great it's an added bonus rather than doing it in the point of view of i'm going to gain the system to get that and then i've got to follow up with something that kind of meets that criteria some very good points there that you made, definitely. Well, hopefully, it's, it's, it's hard for you know whenever because that's when I speak to people. Oh, I want this to be an Amazon bestseller, and that just <laughs> that's it's from my perspective. You know, I I never want to promise anything. You know, and it's not something that we do, and it's not you know. Um, well, obviously, we'll put the book on Amazon and we'll help you set it up and stuff, but um, it's not the right process, you know, for you. Um. Yeah, and and what's the reason for doing it as well? Exactly. I think there is a little bit, we started off the conversation so it closes out nicely by saying the build it and they will come type model isn't really realistic because if it ever was realistic, to a certain degree, it was a coincidence of uh, a gap in the market and, and the supply and demand mix. So if you're the only kindle book in town then you're going to be a bestseller because there's no other competition if there's 10 million competitive books out there now that's more of a difficult thing but it's it's the intent behind it if you just want to be a bestseller because you think it will magically make things happen then that's probably not the case if you want to be a bestseller because it's actively supporting other things because you know that within your environment you want to get on the speaking circuit and looking at all the other speakers out there they all have this best-selling label that they can apply to themselves so therefore it ticks that box and moves it forward um then that's more of a valid case than oh yeah i just want it because mm-hmm. um, someone said it was a good idea mm-hmm. yeah yeah so with all of that being said let's um let's wrap up i think a couple of actions then for people really the best thing you can do if you haven't yet completed your book blueprint scorecard is head over to book blueprint score and go through the steps that allow you to assess yourself on the eight mindsets if being a best-selling author within a an amazon category is important to you we've not like we said we don't that's not really something we focus on but these eight mindsets will definitely help you assess where you are across the board and put you in the best possible place to get to that stage even if that stage is outside of something that we particularly talk about so top point is head over to bookblueprintscore.com i'm going to try and remember i've written on a bit of paper here to put a link to um michael gleason's book the one by selling book 
in the show notes so show notes are going to be oh, this yeah. is episode 64 so head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast and episode 64 i'm going to put a link to that but if something happens that i don't um or if you just want to search for it then it's i'm pretty sure the book is called wombat selling i'm pretty sure it's by an australian mm-hmm. academic called dr michael gleason historic yes. or previously the book did go out of print it wasn't available but you could find some pdfs on some um like archive sites here and there i don't know whether it's still in print whether you can still get a copy of it if i can find a link i'll put the link in the show notes so 90 minute books.com yeah. michael podcast. hewitt michael hewitt gleason yeah that's it you found it? yes that's it perfect yeah. it's on amazon yeah Oh, perfect. Oh, so maybe it's only available on Amazon. I used to be able to find a PDF download of it. Um, maybe that's what's not now available. So we'll put some links in, but feel free to Google it a bit more if um, if you want. So uh, last but not least, if you want to be a guest on the show, we've got some guest slots lined up now. We've recorded a couple that will get out over the summer. So head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash guest. And if you want to brainstorm any of your book ideas, go through your scorecard, uh, talk about your idea of of either a new book that you want to do or your existing book and how to best put it into a funnel then definitely jump on that guest uh fill out that guest form and we're going to get some more or we've got some slots to schedule over the next couple of weeks and it'll be great to really practically go through your funnel and uh, and get that dialed in awesome very good perfect any last thoughts or anything that we've missed um as we were going through there no, I think we got it. Like you said, if anybody has any questions, just reach out. Perfect. Well, on that note, thanks again for your time listening. Betsy, thanks again for your time. And we'll catch everyone in the next one. Always. Very good. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.